Hello, everyone, and welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson, and in this week's episode, we'll be talking about the NFL, what's going down there. We'll have our betting segment, Jack's Pack, which is our NFL betting segment. We will talk about the NBA and what's happening there. We will touch on the MLB starting their playoffs, and we will have our best for last. Now, remember, we have joined TikTok. So now, at JTime Sports, we'll pull up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for breaking news and highlights. TikTok is just going to be a highlight pretty much page. We may also drop snippets on the podcast there, but it's going to be mostly for highlights. But definitely give that a follow so you will know whatever I know when I know it. So therefore, you'll be in front of your friends all the time. And don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe on Spotify and iTunes. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. guys now welcome into the show we have a loaded show today so much sports happening uh it's not quite that covid cornucopia of sports we had last year where we had the you know major league baseball the wnba uh the nba finals you know football it was all kind of stuff all at one time hockey was in their playoffs as well we're not quite at that level of cornucopia although we're getting close uh, right now, you've got international soccer going on. Um, the U.S. had a big win over Brazil uh, last night. We have a new superstar in U.S. soccer, uh, so that's cool. We got the youth wave of U.S. soccer. We've got Pulisic and the kid named last night. I can't think of He's like 18. Scored our two goals last night. Um, so that is huge for us in terms of international soccer to get us on the landscape there. You got the WNBA deciding who gets their second WNBA final spot. We'll talk about that in best for last. You have Major League Baseball starting their playoffs. The NBA begins in 12, 13 days. Uh, the NFL is in full swing. I mean, absolutely amazing time in sports right now. Uh, hockey, I think, is in their training camp or something similar to it. Um, so absolutely huge in terms of what we've got around the world in sports. And then, you know, uh, next year, early 2022, you have the World Cup and the uh, Olympics, no, the Super Bowl, my, my apologies, the Super Bowl and the Winter Olympics will be simultaneous. Um, first time that's happened, I believe, ever. Um, so, or one of the few times it ever happens, obviously, Winter Olympics every four years. So, they will be simultaneous with the Super Bowl. So, it is going to be a cornucopia of sports for a while. We're honestly in a peak right now. And part of that cornucopia of sports, especially in America, and a huge part of that, at rather, is the NFL. And so, last night, we had a pretty... Good game, pretty interesting game. A game with a bunch of um, interesting happenings, a bunch of weirds. It's a very weird game. Um, <laughs> and when I think about it, the more I think about all the stuff that's happening and just repicturing, I mean, we saw a double punt. We had both quarterbacks with finger injuries. Uh, neither kicker could make chip shots there for a while. Uh, we had a mascot gone rogue. Uh, we It was a lot happening in that game last night. I mean, like I said, it started before the opening kickoff where uh, Seattle flies their mascot um, over the stadium and then he lands on the Falconer's arm, like midfield-ish. And the Falcon decided, nah, I'm cool today. I don't do that. So he lands, he just picks a fan's head and lands on the fan's head. I don't know if the fan may have had something in his hair because um, the, the 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 bird didn't peck the fan. He just kind of lands on his head. Um, just kind of sat there. If I'm that fan, I want so he can take us for the rest of my life. 
Um, I'll settle for a box for 10 years, but preferably a season tickets for the rest of my life. Um, because the fact, like I said, the bird just landed on his head, just kind of hung out there. No real big deal. Did, didn't peck at him. Didn't try to bite his face off. Nothing. He was kind of just hanging out on his head. He kind of got his grip, uh, planted his talons and then sat there. The fan was cool about it. Didn't react. Didn't freak out, which definitely helped the situation. Um, but yeah, so then you get Russell Wilson. Uh, Matt Stafford actually had a finger injury first. Um, it's his middle finger, I believe, if middle remember says correctly. He has a wrap on his finger, and then Russell Wilson hits Aaron Donald's hand with his hand, or hits Aaron Donald's forearm rather with his hand. And I thought it was broken at first. Now they're saying it is some sort of sprain at the moment, but they're getting further MRIs. Uh, remember, the X-rays have been kind of unreliable uh, recently. Gronk and Tua's rib injuries were both shown as no breaks. And then later they showed up as breaks. So, or fractures rather. So it looked broken. It didn't look great. Uh, he tried to play another series, threw a pass, had no power on it. That was me going to Geno Smith. Matt Stafford was able to deal with whatever was going on with his finger a lot better as he stayed in the game and led a couple of touchdown drives. Although I did notice some of the power on his throws was gone, which is understandable. You don't have the level of grip you had previously on the football. The kickers were shanking kicks. Uh, we had two long streaks broken last night. Uh, the Rams kicker had made, uh, the Seahawks kicker had made like 35 straight kicks under 40 yards. He misses. And then the Rams kicker had made like 60 something straight extra points. And then he missed. Um, so it was kickers gone wild. Uh, Falcon gone rogue. Finger injuries for quarterbacks. Um... But it, all, it was all, all a great game. The Rams recovered from their Arizona loss, um, which we're going to talk about a little more later, but they recovered from that. And they were able to play a physical Seattle team and kind of out-physical them. It, the game shouldn't have been that close. Matthew Stafford was a little off last night. I don't know if, again, I don't know if that was due to the finger, but he was a little off before the finger injury and kind of the finger exacerbated it. But he missed, he short-armed Deshaun Jackson about two or three throws that could have been huge gains. Um, and then he missed a couple of throws to Cooper Cup that he normally hits. So Matthew Stafford was just a little bit off in comparison to what he uh, normally does. And so that kept Seattle in the game. We saw the reemergence of Geno Smith. Uh, down 16 to 7, you come in for for Russell Wilson, go 98 yards for a touchdown on a beautiful drive, and then the next possession, the Magic runs out and he throws a pick. But, but in Geno Smith's defense, I will not sit here and blame Geno Smith for the interception. Uh, Tyler Lockett tripped over his feet, tripped over DB's feet, tripped over somebody's feet, went down, and Geno was throwing the ball when Lockett was cutting behind the player he tripped over. So. You can't blame Geno for the interception. I mean, it's on Geno's ledger. And the average fan won't see or won't understand the locket fall and the reality of the play. They'll just help Geno throw a pick. That's why he was a second-round pick out of West Virginia uh, with that Rich Rod offense and scoring all those points right after Pat White. And that's why he's now a backup. Uh, he's been a backup for a few years now in Seattle. It's a good life. You never have to get in the game. Russell Wilson never missed a start. And you get a pretty solid paycheck. It's a good life. To be the backup of a very, a very established NFL quarterback. Um, and so, like I said, Gino threw the interception. The Rams boiled the rest of the clock out. Uh, ended up kicking a field goal uh, to ice the game. But it was, all in all, it was a very good game. Uh, it put, in my opinion, Seattle's cooked now. You got, a, you got an injured Russell Wilson. The team wasn't very good. 
and you've blown two opportunities to really not be in this spot. Um, you were going to lose last night. Okay, that is what it is. But you blew a game to the Vikings, um, and then you blew a game to the Titans. Uh, the Titans, you had the Titans dead to rights, and then Derrick Henry starts going off, and then you had the Vikings as well, and they let both of those games slip away. Um, and so instead of being four and one right now, they're two and three, um, which puts them in a very bad spot because Arizona is playing San Francisco in a game we will talk about a little later. Arizona's playing San Francisco in a game where Arizona can go to five and zero oh and be three games clear of Seattle. So, and then, like I said, Russell Wilson's injured. So, you don't know what that's about. Um, Seattle's new looked offense sputtered last night severely. Um, very questionable play calls on both sides. Nothing that was common. Very questionable play calls on both sides. Uh, Seattle, fourth and two, ran a straight-up run right at Aaron Donald. Of course, that didn't work. Uh, L.A. turned right back around and ran some sort of, like, Jets motion thing on third and ten or something. Like, it was very questionable play calling on both sides which is something you tend to see in divisional games because both teams know each other so well the Rams have a little different wrinkle this year with Matt Stafford but for the most part the coaches know each other and so when they know each other that well they tend to try and trick the other team or trying to try and do things you may not want they are may not think they would do and so like I said running a halfback dive basically right at Aaron Donald needing two yards is a bad idea running some sort of jet sweep motion thing on third and 10 is a bad idea uh, I just felt like two coaches trying to catch the other one off guard because the preparation is so known between division rivals um, but with the win last night Sean McVay moves to seven and three overall against the Seattle Seahawks so he's had uh, Pete Carroll's number since he arrived in um, Los Angeles but Moving backwards a few days, back to week four. Very interesting week. Um, Bucks and Patriots was the marquee game. It was the homecoming for Brady. Uh, he did break the passing yards record. That was something we said he was going to do. He did break the passing yards record in a very unceremoniously, unceremonious way. Um, he threw the pass, and then the announcer says that should be the record. And then they said, no, they're crediting him for, I think, 17 yards. So he ties the record. Then they call a timeout. Then they go review the spot. And it turns out he did break the record because it was for 18 yards or something like that. And then all he does is hand the ball off to the ref. They get it out of the game. He hands the ball off to the ref. They put up a little graphic on the video board. That was it. Uh, If you you remember Drew Brees' moment in New Orleans, they stopped the game for like, it felt like 30 minutes. But it was something like 10, 15 minutes. Um, Because he threw the pass. It was a touch. It was a big touchdown pass. The Saints were rolling. Um, you know, Jerome Baker, I think it's his name, Doug Baker, one of the two, who's over the Pro Football Hall of Fame, comes out with his white gloves on. You know, shakes Drew's hand, takes the ball uh, for safekeeping. It was a big old production. Drew's family came on the field to help him celebrate. It was this big old massive production um, when Drew Brees broke the record. Like I said, it helped that it was a at home and b on a touchdown. So more was able to be done, more was prepared. Um, but this game, the only thing that happened was Brady. And I, I didn't even see this after the game. Brady handed the ball off to the ref. That was about it. There was no wave to the crowd. There was no chanting. There was no big video tribute. There was no fireworks. That Jerome Baker wasn't even there. Um, or Doug Baker. I'm going to call him Mr. Baker wasn't even there. Uh, it was nothing special about the moment. If you didn't know what was happening, you wouldn't have known anything. And so Drew Brees was there. And he clapped uh, as Brady broke it. But that was... That was it. 
Um, so that game was also weird. You had Belichick versus Brady. Um, in my opinion, Belichick won. Yeah, Belichick lost the game. He lost the game on a 56-yard field goal in the rain. That doinked the upright. Um, eight inches to the right, and the Patriots win that game, and the Bucks are sitting around wondering what in the world happened. Um, Tom Brady did not throw a single touchdown pass. Tom Brady was effectively neutralized. Now, it helped that was no Gronk um, because that, that took it one of the had to double. You have to double Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Rob Gronkowski, all double-team candidates. The problem is if you double all three of them, that's six. That means you <laughs> I mean, you only have five people combined left to guard running backs, other receivers, or, you know, pass rush. And so with Gronk being out, the strategy shifts because now you only have to worry about two people to double, maybe even one. You kind of you double Mike Evans, solo AB, solo Godwin at safety help. Pretty much what Belichick did all night. Um, and really focus on trying to make Brady throw to other people. Uh, should the Bucks have won the game by more? Yeah, that was a couple of miscommunication throws, stuff like that. But like I said, it was a kick eight inches to the right by Nick Folk. Um, and the Pats win that game. Mac Jones outplayed Tom Brady. Um, and so that was something that we saw last year in the playoffs where Aaron Rodgers outplayed Tom Brady, but Brady had the better defense. Um, and so this year you see Mac Jones outplayed Tom Brady. Brady had a better uh, overall team. Brady escapes. But that was the reason he went to Tampa Bay to begin with. He no longer had to be perfect. He no longer had to have a QB, uh, a passer rating above 110 uh, with three touchdowns, no pick, 300 yards to win a game. You know, he no longer had to be the perfect Tom because he had the weapons around him and the defense supporting him to where, man, if I'm off a little bit tonight, I got these great weapons to bail me out of a couple bad throws. That sort of thing. Um, you know, everybody waited on the Belichick Brady post game. It was a quick little tap uh, because they already prearranged a post game talk. In which case, Belichick went to the Bucks locker room for about 23 minutes, according to reports, and came out. Brady and Belichick were together. I mean, I'm sure we'll never hear the true contents of this conversation. Maybe it comes out in the book, in the tell-all book from Belichick or something, but um, they had a prearranged talk already. So the big confrontation in the middle of the field everybody was expecting was quick and brief just because they'd already prearranged a talk. So that was something that we looked out for, but all in all, it was a good game. It's a great way to end the Sunday night uh, contest. Packers and Steelers. Packers won. I told you they would. I told you they would. I, I, I completely told you Packers going to win this game. I don't know why the spread is so close. And they did. They dominated. They had the best six players on the field. They was they were the flat-out better team than the Pittsburgh Steelers. I only bring this game up for one reason. Ben Roethlisberger. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, I get it. Pittsburgh, I get it. I get not wanting to let your legend go. Pittsburgh, I understand, man. You've been doing the same thing for 15, 16, 17 years. How long Ben's been there? 04 draft. What, that's six, 17 years? The three, the two other prominent quarterbacks in that draft class was Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers. Eli Manning is commentating 10 weeks a year Monday Night Football with his brother Peyton. And Phillip Rivers is coaching high school football in the state of Alabama. Why is Ben Roethlisberger your starting quarterback? 
look, Pittsburgh, I, Pittsburgh, I understand. I get it. I get it. Ben is the one two rings for you. He's been a pillar for your community, pillar of your franchise. He got you through Bill Cowher into Mike Tomlin. Tomlin's never had a coach not named, uh, a quarterback rather, not named Ben Roethlisberger unless Roethlisberger was injured. Um, you know, he, he, he carried you from the end of the Jerome Bettis era to the end of the Troy Palomalu era to the end of the Ryan Clark stint to in the end of Heinz Ward into Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, out of that into Juju Smith-Schuster and now Najee Harris. He did all that. It's over, Pittsburgh. It's done. And I, and I know they, they're, they're saying things like, we're never going to bench him. And they won't. They, they'd rather go 1-16 than bench Ben, ben Roethlisberger. They will not do the Ben with the Giants did to Eli at the end. The Giants did that to Eli three seasons ago. At least three. Dan Jones in his third year. So the Giants did that to Eli three seasons ago. And yet Ben Roethlisberger, who's been cooked for at least two, is still jogging out under center for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Look, I don't know what you have in Dwayne Haskins. I don't know what you have in um, Doug Hodges. I don't know what you have in the rest of your quarterback room, if there is any. But Ben Roethlisberger's done. Cam Newton's available. Nick Foles is available. Andy Dalton presumably is available. Gardner Minshew is possibly available. Jacoby Brissett, no, he's not available. We're going to two insurance. But... There's plenty of quarterbacks around this. Trevor Simeon's on the Saints practice squad. There's plenty of quarterbacks around this league that have the ability to play the position right now better than Ben Roethlisberger. It's over. I mean, it's so over that the head coach, Mike Tomlin, who I love, and Aaron Rodgers were flirting on the field. I mean, Rodgers thought he caught Tomlin with 12 men on the field. So Tomlin runs and call the timeout. And they're both smiling and winking at each other. Like two school kids passing notes in, in history class. It's over, Pittsburgh. I don't like doing this. But it seems like every time you trot out Ben Rosberg out there and tell us it's going to work, I have to do this. It's over. It's okay. It's okay. The world's not going to collapse, Pittsburgh. Your world's not over. You're not gonna have to cry into your AFC North Championship pillow from a few years ago. It's not. It's not. It's not world ending. Although between Terry Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger, you were a nobody franchise. Before Terry Bradshaw, you were a nobody franchise. Maybe that's what you're worried about. I don't know. But this whole Ben Roethlisberger experiment, yeah, that's done. Cooked. Finished. Move on. I. I if I were y'all, I would tell Ben, thank you for your service. And I would start Dwayne Haskins. And if Ben wants to try and go somewhere else, I'd, I'd, I'd let him go find a trade partner. But this is over. Move on. The Arizona Cardinals. Yes, those Arizona Cardinals. Yes, the ones that play in Glendale, Arizona. Yeah, yeah the, the one that has a State Farm Arena. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The Arizona Cardinals, like the three, four uniform colors. Yeah, those. Arizona Cardinals, led by the fired... Um, college football head coach led by the transfer college quarterback um and led by the old man on defense who's had multiple surgeries in the past years yes those arizona cardinals um are the last undefeated franchise in the nfl as they currently sit 4-0 i don't know when's the last time we've had one undefeated at week four because it has something to do with the uh turnovers 
uh, not the turnover, rather the pr- pr- turnover of roster and the offseason uh, and the preseason being lack of. I don't know. But because Buffalo would be undefeated if they didn't lose week one to Pittsburgh. Um, you know, Cincinnati would be undefeated if Joe Burrow didn't lose his money against Chicago. So, I mean, there, there's a few if they would have. Uh, Dallas would be undefeated if they didn't play Tampa week one. So, Arizona is the last unbeaten team left. How do they get there? By beating down the Rams last week. Um, another one of those games I came around to. Figured the Cardinals and win. I just didn't know about how much. I ended up coming around to it. And I am shocked at the way that the Arizona Cardinals beat the St. Uh, Louis Rams, the Los Angeles Rams. It was in SoFi Stadium. Um, and the Cardinals were just flat out better. Every, every situation, the Cardinals were better. They had the better quarterback. They had the better running back. They had the better receiving core. They had the better defensive line. They had the better secondary. The Arizona Cardinals played a great game all the way around. Um, when you've got plays like Kyler Mayden at 30 and 16, where he runs for it, shaking one defender, freezing one defender, and then outrunning the, the original defender and someone else, to the first down marker, it's just deflating. Um, Kyler right now is my MVP front runner. Again, I am regretting not having the courage of my convictions, the courage of my convictions I had last year. Uh, last year I had the Cardinals in the playoffs and I had Kyler as my MVP favorite, as my MVP pick. He was like crazy wild eyes. He was crazy wild eyes this year when the season first started, like plus 10,000 or something like that. Now he's like plus 650. He's the favorite right now. Um, but this year, I said Cardinals are making the playoffs, in which they didn't. King Kingsbury was going to inevitably be fired. And then I said, Kylo's my dark horse. But I did say Kylo's my dark horse MVP. I said, if the Cardinals get in the playoffs, Kylo's going to win the MVP. Right now, they are potentially one game away from being two, one and a half games clear of the entire division. Um, two and a half clear of San Fran and three clear of Seattle. So they may end up being the pick I was looking for all this time and just didn't have the courage of my convictions. Um, but kudos to Kylo, kudos to Kingsbury. That defense is rolling. They don't get enough attention. The, the Cardinals are the only team in the league right now scoring 30, have, having scored 30 points in every game so far this season, and they're averaging 35 a game. So you show up with them, you better be ready to score. San Fran's got their hand full this week. Uh, Cowboys and Panthers. That game was interesting in the sense of it showed what the Cowboys could be at their peak. Uh, the Panthers got a little better. We'll talk about that in a few seconds, or in a few minutes, rather. But the Cowboys' offense, we know what the Cowboys' offense is. It's CD. It's Zeke. It's Dak. It's Amari. It's Gallup when he's healthy. It's Dalton Schultz. It's that offensive line. And, you know, We know that offense can score. And we know that defense has potential. It has a lot of speed in it. But right now, Trayvon Days is playing like the best cornerback in the league. He's got five interceptions through four weeks. Micah Parsons is looking like one of the top 20 defensive players in the world, and his, he's a rookie. You know, his versatility is insane. He was already playing well at middle linebacker. Then Demarcus Lawrence gets hurt, so they drop him to edge rusher. He wreaks havoc. Now he's going back and forth between the two. It is absolutely insane uh, what Micah Parsons is able to do right now. And I know it may sound weird, but currently the Cowboys, to me, are a little underrated. Uh, you know, they, they they have their glitz and their glamour and they have the star and they have hard knocks and they have, you know, so many other things for them to you know, showcase. But right now they are underrated, especially on defense. Uh, we know their offense, their offense, but on defense, they are really, really fast. 
Um, you can look at them and show how they jump off the screen speed-wise. Like I said, Micah Parsons, uh, Trayvon Diggs jumping those routes in general, but it's a sign of a Dan Quinn defense. What was Seattle's thing when he was the DC there? They were fast and they could hit. Atlanta, what, what was their thing? They were fast. Now, the, he had to sacrifice in Atlanta a little bit of impact hitting for speed, but his defenses are always fast. In Dallas, what do you do? He is fast. There's a fast defense. They have Michael Parsons, like I said, and Trayvon Diggs, two young studs. Demarcus Lawrence is a very athletic end whenever he comes back. So, like I said, right now, I believe they're actually a little underrated, especially defensively. Um, and on the Panther side of things, your defense was a little exposed. But Dallas is one of the best th- two or three offenses in the league. So maybe it's not as exposed as we think. And it showed that Darnold's going to keep fighting. Uh, the game was pretty much over side of the fourth. It was something like 34-16 or something like that. Um, and then Carolina made it interesting with two touchdowns. But the game was basically over. 36-14, something like that. The game was basically over. Um, but Darnold kept fighting. He leads the league in the rushing touchdowns. They clearly missed Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he was such a big part of everything they did on offense, and he's not there right now, probably because of that workload. So they're rolling with Chuba Hubbard. Sam Donner is the close down, is the close yard. It's back. And like I said, he has five rushing touchdowns, um, and they got a little better. Like I said, we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. But the Panthers got a little better. But I think the Cowboys right now is a little underrated. Colts and Dolphins. Uh, this game was interesting to me only because I picked the uh, the Colts to win the game, um, and they did. It was the first time in the life we've seen out of the Colts in terms of putting a full game together. Now, it wasn't 60 minutes of dominance. Uh, it wasn't really 30 minutes of dominance, but it was about 20 minutes of 20, 20, 25 minutes where they were clearly the better team. Uh, they were clearly the better team all night, but where they looked dominant. Offense would score, defense would get a fast stop, and offense score again. That sort of thing. Uh, First time Carson Wentz looked really comfortable, which is a good sign considering Brian Flores has that defense rolling all the time. And Carson Wentz looked really comfortable. Um, This is the first win that they need to get on their, get their act together. The Titans, they had an inexplicable loss to the Jets. So they actually gained a game in a situation I didn't think they would gain a game in. Um, And so they actually, like I said, gained a game. And now they got Baltimore Monday night. Another game I believe we'll talk about later. Um... And so the Colts are in a good spot. You know, like I said, I picked them to win that division. Ten games win that division. Um, and obviously HBO's invested in them as Hard Knocks, the first regular season, in-season Hard Knocks ever, will be uh, about the Colts trying to get into the playoffs. So um, Hard Knocks is invested in them because Hard Knocks is going to go through the playoffs. So if the Colts win the Super Bowl, we're going to get our first inside look at a Super Bowl prep. You know, so I don't know how they would do that because I know they don't want to have too much um inside information out and hard knocks does show game plan sometimes it does show uh terminology meetings stuff like that so maybe they cut down on the meeting film and just see a little practice film or something but um that'd be pretty cool to be our first in-depth look at a super bowl prep but um the colts have to get there first they have to get in the playoffs first forget the super bowl uh they have to get in the playoffs first beating miami was a good first step um miami you have a problem it's a two-wheel problem. It's a quarterback problem. Uh, your franchise quarterback is not in the building. So, I mean, that's, that's an issue. I feel the same way in Cleveland. The person to lead to the Super Bowl is not in the building. Um, for Cleveland, you're going to overpay Baker Mayfield, and that team's going to falter. For Miami, you didn't move off Tua last year when you should have. You had an opportunity at Justin Herbert and said no in the, in the original draft. 
Um, last year, you had an opportunity at Justin Fields, Mac Jones, and Trey Lance, and said no. Um, so, I don't know what you do if you are um, the Dolphins. I mean, I, I move off Tua. That's just me. I would have never picked Tua, but uh, I move off Tua because your your leader is not in the building. Uh, Mac Jones is better. Zach Wilson appears to be better. Josh Allen is no doubt about it better. So you have the fourth best quarterback in the conference, third most talented, but fourth best quarterback in the conference in the division. Rather, you've got to move off to Um, If I'm Miami Dolphins, I do that today. All right, a little bit of news: Stephon Gilmore was released or announced that he and the Patriots were parting ways, and then it turns out he was going to be traded home to the Carolina Panthers. He's from the Carolina. He's from the North Carolina area. Uh, went to high school there, to high school and college there. Uh, has has a home a few a few doors down from the general manager of the Panthers. So this is it's, he went home. Gilmore is going home uh, with the anticipation that he plays this year out and then re ups for a big deal in the offseason, uh, which will probably be his last big NFL contract. Uh, but the understanding is right now that he will play here as his contract out. So the Panthers in the past week and a half. Have acquired C.J. Henderson and Stephon Gilmore for a third, a fifth, um, Dan Arnold, and a sixth-round pick. Something similar to that. It netted T.J. Henderson, a former top-10 pick, and Stephon Gilmore, uh, Defensive Player of the Year in 2019. So, kudos to the uh, Panthers GM for continuing to try to improve the team and continuing to try and win football games. You know, Jimmy G... He will not, he's not expected to play Sunday due to a calf injury. He said it after the game. It could be a few weeks. Um, the Shanahan downplayed it pretty much all week saying, oh, we don't know exactly how bad it is. Well, he did not practice all week. And so that means it will be five for five rookie first round quarterback starting this week. Um, obviously, you've got Zach Wilson for the Jets, Trevor Lawrence for the Jags, Mac Jones for the Patriots, uh, Justin Fields for the Bears, who himself has been named the starter on out. Uh, Matt Nagy went ahead and did that. But you got Justin Fields for the Bears. And now you have Trey Lance for the 49ers. Um, I'm very interested in watching this game because I want to see how different the offense looks with Trey Lance. We know Kyle Shanahan is a run-centric coach, but now does he involve runs specifically designed for Trey Lance? Does he call QB powers and stuff like that? So I'm interested to see how Kyle Shanahan treats the arrival of Trey Lance as the full-time starter. Jalen Smith was released by the Dallas Cowboys, and a couple days later, he signed a one-year deal with the Green Bay Packers. Now, he didn't care what he signed for money-wise because the Cowboys still have to pay him $7.2 million this year, so I'm sure he signed a one-year minimum deal with the Packers uh, just for the Packers to get him on the roster, and he projects, in my opinion, to be a starter, a starter and middle linebacker for the Packers. So, good move landing for Jalen Smith. And he can go. Let's say the Packers make it to the NFC title game. He has a great season in the postseason. He can go and get a big new contract uh, in the offseason. And lastly, the Atlanta Falcons will be down their two top receivers. Uh, Calvin Ridley is out of the game against the New York Jets in London due to personal reasons. And Russell Gage is also out against the New York Jets in London for a uh, growing injury. And so Matt Ryan will be down his two top receivers. 
The last time the Jets saw a team without two top receivers, it was the Tennessee Titans last week, and the Jets got their first one of the season. London's already a weird game, and so now you add in Atlanta going in shorthanded, and this could be a very interesting game for the New York Jets. But up next, we're going to have our talk about NFL Week 5. Alrighty, welcome back into the show. And now we're going to talk about week five and what's going on in the NFL. We've got some great games this week. Normally I pick five. I couldn't help myself. I picked six. Um, it's going to be a great week. And not particularly, um, not particularly for standing implications. Um, it is more of just intriguing storylines. You, you know, when, you know, when you get a situation or a movie, you get a movie on the poster, eh, not, not the greatest actors, but then you, you start hearing about the plot and the plot sounds intriguing. That's what this week feels like. It feels like a great movie plot. Um, we're going to start with the dolphins and the bucks. Mm. Well, well, Justin, you just said it's going to be a great movie plot, and you start me off with Jacoby Brissett versus Tom Brady. No, I, I I agree, but I didn't look at this game in that perspective. I looked at this game like Dolphins versus Bucks. Well, what what does that mean? First of all, travel is moot. Miami to Tampa, it's like an hour flight, if that. It's like forty five minutes. It's right up the road. I mean, if it was a small college, they would drive. I mean, like, yeah, hey, you're from the south of Florida to the Panhandle. That's like a, what, three-hour drive, three-and-a-half-hour drive? Like I said, they were a small college team. They would drive. They're NFL professionals, so they flew the hour. But travel isn't going to be moot. So I expect a lot of Dolphins fans in the stands. But here's the thing that becomes interesting. Brian Flores was Bill Belichick's right-hand man in New England for years. Meaning, what? who did he practice against every single day for years? Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. And we just saw what Bill did to Brady. No touchdowns, um, lots of confusion. He was he was hitching a lot in his throws, trying to find a gap in the defense, um, making him work. You think Brian Flores didn't watch that game? You think Brian Flores didn't go, oh, I'm going to do this, that, and the third, but I'm going to add this, this, and this in there, too. Oh, and Brian Flores has better corners. He's got Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. He don't have to double anything. Byron Jones and Antonio Brown, Xavier Howard on Mike Evans, he doesn't have to double a thing. So you get more defensive flexibility, not having to double Tom Brady's, any of his weapons. Um, and you basically play a similar style defense because Brian Flores is, was Belichick's right-hand man defensively for years. Now, I don't think – now, we've seen Jacoby Brissett can score. You know, um, he's heated up against the Colts late um, and scored a couple touchdowns. He went toe-to-toe with Derek Carr uh, with the Raiders. So, we've seen Jacoby Brissett can score. Look, I'm not saying the Dolphins are going to win this game. I picked the Bucks. I'm not sure what the point spread is, but I'm picking the Bucks to win the game straight up. It's not in my Jacks pack, so I didn't look at the point spread. Or I didn't write it down, rather. But Tom Brady had problem with a Bill Belichick coach defense seven days ago, or five days ago, but by the time the game starts, seven days ago. 
Brian Flores, like I said, was the right-hand man. Kirby Smart to Nick Saban was Brian Flores to um, Bill Belichick. Why would he not deploy a similar game plan with better defensive personnel and just lock down the Bucks' offense? Still no Gronk. His road is still cracked. So you still only have – you have no double-team tight ends. In terms of no tight ends, you're going to double. You're not going to double Cam and Brady or O.J. Howard. So that leaves you're not going to double-team a running back. You're not going to bracket a running back. They don't have a Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara. So that leaves A.B., A.B., Mike Evans and Godwin. No one's doubling Godwin all year, so that leaves Mike Evans and A.B. Well, you have two of the best cover corners in the league in Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. Man up and let's play football. So Miami has a very interesting advantage. That's a game to keep your eye on. That's a game to be intrigued by if you are a fan that wants an interestingly close game. Dolphins and Bucks feel like that interesting close game. Again, I don't know what the point spread is, but if it's anything, but I think it's at one point it was Bucks minus 10. Uh, I seen somewhere I could be wrong about that, but if it's anything more than six and a half, I would go Dolphins. I mean, um, that game is just asking for the Dolphins to keep it close defensively. Brian, like I said, Brian Flores will deploy a similar style game plan that Bill Belichick did. I mean, that's what he learned a lot of his defensive tactics from. We just seen it work. Why not do it again? Um, you know, that is something that would not shock me in the slightest in terms of him deploying that sort of strategy and keeping the game close. Um, I'm trying to find that point spread right now for you guys to see, you know, you know, y'all know me. I got Jack's pack. Uh, I'm all about the betting segments. Um, all my odds are provided by ESPN. So that's the number. I, yeah, it's Bucks minus 10. Ain't no way in hell. It is Bucks minus 10. Take the Dolphins. I, I don't have it in Jack's pack. Um, I do have it in Jack's pack, actually. Take the Dolphins. Uh, that spoiler for Jack's pack. Take the Dolphins. It was my fifth favorite number uh, because I numbers that big scared the hell out of me. Take the Dolphins. There is no way that this game is more than a 10-point spread. That may that may be readjusted to my favorite, my lock of the week. Um, the Dolphins are going to keep that game close. Keep your eye on that game. A game that is not in Jack's pack is Packers versus Bengals. And the point spread for that game, again, as provided by ESPN, uh, the Packers are three-point favorites in that game. Um, it's Packers at Bengals. Now, this game could be very intriguing for a multitude of reasons. The Packers don't have their traditional pass rush. They did acquire Jalen Smith, but I don't know how many packages he's going to be included in to really get an impact. And so with Jalen Smith just joining, he's not the fastest thing on the planet. It's probably why Dallas got rid of him. They were trying to build a fast defense, and Jalen Smith's weakness at this point in life is pretty much speed. Um, and so you have a team in the Cincinnati Bengals who have Jamar Chase, who have T. Higgins, who have uh, Joe Mixon, who have Joe Burrow, who's very confident, as we saw from what's been leaking out from NFL Films. Um, and recordings of him on the sideline during the Jacksonville game down 14-0 at halftime. Um, you have that. And then on the other side, you have a Packers team that I feel like is is, is coming together slowly, but they're coming together behind success. Uh, we saw them completely unravel against the New Orleans Saints. Totally unravel. It wasn't even the same team that thought about two bowls last year. 
Um, and so maybe they're in a situation where they can completely unravel again. Um, Cincinnati goes up 10-0, 13-0. What happens in that on that Green Bay sideline? Does Aaron force a bad pick? Uh, as he's known to do. Now, Cincinnati does not have the world's greatest defense. Trevor Lawrence gave it fits. So he's not have, they do not have the world's greatest defense. However, that offense is very capable. Aaron Rodgers is known for the occasional two or three series of bad football. It's, it's not really interception bad, but it's three and out, three and out, you know, first down out. Um, so what if the Bengals go touchdown, field goal, field goal, and it's 13-0 and zero in the first quarter? What happens on that Packers sideline? Um, I would pick the Packers to win this game. Although, again, I picked the Cincinnati Bengals, my dark horse playoff team. They're currently 3-1, should be 4-0. They're currently 3-1. Winning this game would be huge in terms of getting them into the playoffs, um, especially after winning that huge win not too long ago with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I would pick the Packers to win this game. I expect the, I expect the shootout. If the Packers secondary has Jair Alexander, who probably goes to Jamar Chase, but that's it. Um, although that Eric Stokes kid is playing well, the rookie out of Georgia. And then the Cincinnati Bengals, I can't even name one of their cornerbacks. So they're going to have to go into a shootout with Aaron Rodgers in order to keep this game competitive. Uh, I would have the Packers 30-24 uh, p- picking a score. So they would cover the three, but I'd have them 30-24. Uh, Our next game is Broncos at Steelers. Now, this game is a fun game for me that uh, I will not pick right now. It is in Jack's pack. Um, but this game is interesting. So, the Broncos are probably starting Drew Locke because Teddy Bridgewater got a concussion, went into concussion protocol. So, Drew Locke's probably the starter. Remember, Vic Vangio stated all preseason, even after Teddy Bridgewater was named the starter, that it was really freaking close between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater because they were both playing well. Um, it's not like they were both playing bad and you're like, man, lesser two evils. It is, they were both playing well. And so it was really hard for Vic Vangio and then the offensive staff to decide between the two quarterbacks. Ultimately, they went with Teddy Bridgewater due to the turnover risk that Drew Locke inherently carries. And so they went with Teddy Bridgewater. It is, it led them to a three and one record. Um, they played their first real team in, in Baltimore and got handled, but Teddy Bridgewater also got a concussion. So Drew Locke's probably starting. Which should scare me away from this game. Uh, scare me if I'm, a, if I'm a Broncos fan. I should be terrified. Except the Drew Locke. The Drew Locke that came to play in the preseason. If he shows up against the Steelers, they have a really good chance of winning. Conversely, the Steelers are looking like we can get our defense back on the road because Drew Locke's bound to throw us a couple. Maybe he fumbles and we get our uh, defense back rolling. And... The Denver Broncos defense can be had. Now, Lamar struggled to get 100 yards against it, uh, rushing, which is unheard of. They had to basically break an unwritten rule to get 100 yards um, rushing to keep their streak alive. And, you know, maybe Pittsburgh already doesn't have the greatest passing uh, rushing game, rather. But Big Ben's really good at throwing the ball. Or they can pass the ball. They can, they can move the ball down the field, passing. Uh, short passes, nothing deep but short passes and so this is a game that is very intriguing again it's in jack's pack so we're going to talk about a little more then but keep your eye on that steelers and broncos game my personal game of the week is 49ers at cardinals 49ers with 37 seconds away from defeating 
Aaron Rodgers and going into this game riding high. Or 37 seconds away from defeating Aaron Rodgers. And then they go last week and then they beat the Seahawks. So they're coming into the game on a bounce back week. They had a heartbreak against Aaron Rodgers. You beat the Seahawks last week. Um, who fall again? Who fell again last night? But you beat the Seahawks last week, and now you're coming to the team, their hottest team in the NFL, in the Arizona Cardinals, the most unstoppable offense, the MVP front runner. Uh, you enter Glendale. We're gonna, again, we're gonna pick this game in Jack's pack, and you're looking at your division across from your division. Cliff Kingsbury has already got monkey off my back. I beat Sean McVay. Now he's looking at Kyle Shanahan. That's another that's another guy who beat him down. That's the problem Arizona had in that division was that they couldn't beat the teams in that division. San Francisco was really good. When healthy, they're a Super Bowl contender. Seattle was a really good coach team with a really good quarterback in Russell Wilson. Um, Los Angeles Rams, even with Jared Goff, is a really well-coached team um, in terms of especially offensively. And that time, defensively, they had Brandon Staley. Um, really well-coached team. Um you know, with superstars on defense and Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, they also had John Johnson at the time. Uh, then I said in their offense, their offense. Sean McVay is going to put up points even with Jared Goff. So, he Cliff Kingsbury had to get the monkey off his back. Like I said, he moved it. He, he got um, Sean McVay off. Now he's going for Kyle Shanahan. This offense from Arizona is real. Uh, Shanahan's defenses always had problems with mobile quarterbacks. It doesn't get much more mobile than Kyler Murray. Uh, they're going to probably spread them thin, quick passes, not let Joey Bosa affect, Nick Bosa rather, affect the game, um, wreak havoc on the game, even though the Arizona line is substantially better than I thought it would be. Uh, they're going to try to keep uh, Nick Bosa away from Kyler Murray. You'll need to probably escape him, but make sure they can get their field down the passes down the field. You've got A.J. Green. You've got D-Hop. You've got Edmonds. You've got Connor. You've got Christian Kirk. You've got Rondell Moore. You got Max Williams. Uh, not Max Williams. Uh, yeah, Max Williams. I think it's the tight end's name. I could be wrong there. My apologies if I am. But they got a lot of weapons spread. San Francisco thin and attack that way. But conversely, San Fran is looking like, man, Trey Lance is, this is the first stop for Trey Lance. No one knows the offense we're going to run. They've seen the goal line package, and they've seen him come in with Jimmy G's game plan. Um, but now this week, they had the whole week to practice. When I, I'm sure Kyle Shanahan had 25, 30 plays buried that no one had ever seen. That was Trey Lance specific, Trey Lance oriented. Now those plays had the ability to be run. And so I expect to see them run uh, in this game. I do, I will not pick the winner just yet. Uh, we were talking about that in Jack's pack. I almost, almost picked it. Uh, we will talk about that game in a little bit in Jack's pack. What I believe is America's game of the week. Um, if you're not a Cowboys fan or a Giants fan uh, or a Fox producer, I believe the America's game of the week should be Chiefs and Bills. This has AFC title game preview written all over it. As we know, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. Um, yes, they're fourth place in their division right now, but they are the only fourth place team in league history getting Super Bowl favorite bids um, because of how they're fourth place. They are fumbled away from beating the Ravens, and they had four turnovers in their last game and almost won anyway against a very, very good Chargers team. So the Chiefs are looking at, a lot of people are looking at the Chiefs like, man, they get that cleaned up, which won't be the world's hardest thing to do, and they're right back in the Super Bowl favorite contention. Um, but the Bills are looking like, man, we only lost to kind of a miraculous Big Ben second half surge. 
and everything after that we've dominated including a 35-0 shutout of the miami dolphins and so the bills want their respect they're going into arrowhead uh they have their big time paid quarterback now too and josh allen uh obviously you know patrick mahomes is about uh, these guys are compared a lot because of their arm strength their ability to utilize the arm strength on the run and so that is my game of the week um it is not in jack's pack so i will go ahead and pick a winner i say the bills win this game close very close i, I i'm not sure what the point spread is uh I'm, I'm sure the chiefs are favored probably by three and a half four that's probably what i would pick the spread if i was vegas Chiefs probably minus three and a half for the hook um but the spread is chiefs minus two and a half so it's actually a little low than i uh lower than i would have thought it would have been i would pick the bills to win the game outright it is the sunday night game it is an arrowhead um patrick Mahomes is on fire but josh allen is playing well also so i said i would pick the bills here um to win close very close um 33 30 something like that maybe 38 35 three-point game either way uh, i would pick the bills to win that game and finally colts at ravens again another game not in my jacks pack so i will pick the winner um colts at ravens the current point spread is baltimore minus seven that feels large um the colts are a team that remember i spoke last week you gotta win that game you're desperate part two of the you're desperate uh <laughs> category because the tennessee titans are still ahead of you and they own the win over you and they're playing jacksonville a reeling Jacksonville. Jacksonville going through all kind of crap with Urban Meyer and dance videos and the team losing trust and him making apologies and having to re-apologize and the owner making statements and people are saying, okay, USC could be the job. And of course, I'm hearing LSU could fire at Ogeron after the season. So he could be going to Baton Rouge. It's, it's a mess right now in Jacksonville. So Tennessee's probably going to go into Jacksonville, win that game comfortably. Um... But I stay away from that game, too, in Jack's pack because you never know what a scrambling team will do. But Indianapolis, you know, you're on week two of the have to win. One in four, might as well be 0-5. Um, so they're currently 1-3. Baltimore's 3-1. Like they're Baltimore's seven-point favorite. They've got that great rushing attack. They've run for 100 yards in 43 straight games. They uh, do it again Monday night, and they have the record. And then Indianapolis is a team where... Um, they have pretty solid against the run. You know, you've got a Darius Leonard. you got, uh, you have a DeForest Buckner. You know, you have guys that are pretty good against the run in Indianapolis, but they're going to have to do a lot. That Ravens rushing attack is lethal. It's flat out dominant. And they run through, over, or around anybody they have to. So I expect a very, I expect a close game. Seven points feels like a lot. It may end up bringing being seven. If I had to guess school, I would think 27-20. Um, so it'll probably end up being seven. Uh, I wouldn't touch this game with a 10 foot pole betting it, but um, in terms of point spread, now money line is easy. Baltimore, in my opinion, you're gonna say I think 27 20 will be the score, but I wouldn't touch this game with a 10 foot pole. Um, in terms of a, um, a point spread, but up next, we're gonna shift to our NFL's betting segment, Jack's Pack. Welcome back into the show, 
And I have a lot of energy this segment. I told you guys it was going to take me just a couple of weeks. Week one was three and two. Oh, it was two and three. And then we had another two and three weeks. We were, what, four and six? I'm like, man, guys, you know, I just got to I just gotta get my, uh, you know, my mojo back. I'll be all right. Don't worry about me. I'll get it going. Um, and then we finally hit. So we came into this week six and nine. My apologies. We were... Um, Three and two, and then we had a two and three. Yeah, I did that right. Uh, we were we were six and nine uh, overall. And I was like, man, I got a couple flowing weeks. Last week, four and one. Um, it was funny. The game I thought was my best number was the only game I lost, which was Lions plus three against Chicago. Uh, Justin Fields killed them, and that was my first thought was to go with Chicago in that game, and I changed my mind last minute. Otherwise, we went five and zero oh last week. But hey, four and one, we're back to five hundred. Let's keep this train rolling. Um, I was not a fan of the numbers this week. Um, to be honest, was not a fan at all of the numbers this week. But I didn't love the numbers last week. It went four and one, so I'm, I'm not a big fan of the numbers at all this week. Uh, some of the numbers felt heavy. It's almost like Vegas is starting to figure out, you know, how these teams are going to go this year. Some of these numbers felt heavy. Liked a couple. Didn't love any. Uh, let's dive right into this. My favorite number of the week, Patriots at Texans. Uh, Texans plus nine. Take the Patriots there. Swallow the nine points. I don't know how Davis Mills scores. Seriously. I don't know how I don't know how the Houston Texans score a point. Um, now, it's the NFL. Unless you're the Dolphins, you don't get shut out. Um, so I'm sure the Texans going to score something. But I don't know how they slow down the Patriots offense too much either. And so with both of those things being said, this game, if it was a 13 point spread, I'd probably stay away from it. But Mac Jones is slowly but surely putting the pieces together on how to be a productive NFL quarterback. And so I don't know how the Texans score more than 10 I'm going to say the Patriots score at least 23-24. Patriots, I take the Patriots in that one. Go with the Pats, minus nine. San Francisco 49ers at Arizona. Arizona's minus five. Take Arizona. Now, that feels like a lot of points. Uh, I feel like you're swallowing a lot of points in that matchup. If it was plus six, six and a half, I'm probably San Francisco here, or I don't touch it. But Arizona minus five, that means they're going to, win the game by less than two field goals which is why i'm thinking the score is going to be 30 to 24 or something similar to that which will cover the five uh arizona has a very explosive offense as i've said they scored 35 points or at least 30 points in every game this season trey lance is his first start i don't see kyle shanahan letting him get too wild throwing the ball down the field unless they have to uh veteran secondary gets trey lance a couple times with interceptions kyler continues his 30 point streak uh, Arizona wins the game 33-24. Jets at Falcons. Now, it's at Falcons, but it's in London, so there's really no at here. Um, Falcons, two and a half point favorites. Take the Jets. Yeah, I'm a Patriots fan picking the Jets to win. I think the, I think the Jets are going to win the game outright. Atlanta's down their two top uh, receivers in Calvin Ridley and... Um, Russell Gage. Now, this could be a Kyle Pitts coming out party. We've been waiting on it, kind of for it to pop. So far, it hasn't. This could be the game where he goes off, but the Jets got a little confidence last week beating the Titans. Now they're going overseas in a game that the franchise is accustomed to doing, not necessarily the players. Uh, Rob Asala's never done the trip. Uh, obviously, Zach Wilson's never done the trip over, but the franchise itself should have their routines down for the most part. I don't think Atlanta's ever done this London trip. 
Uh, it's always a weird game. It's always closer than what you think it is. They were on the, the first couple were blowouts. Um, no real home field advantage unless Jacksonville goes because Jacksonville went the first three or four years. Um, and so the fans gravitated to Jacksonville. Um, and so, like I said, Jacksonville will have a home field advantage, but nobody else will. It'll be just a whole bunch of people yelling and screaming. No real home field advantage. I'm going to go with the Jets here to win the game outright 27-24. Broncos at Steelers. I know it's my fourth favorite number in order, but it could end up being my second favorite number by the end of the day uh, because, well, there's no number. It's a pick em. It's even. According to the ESPN, it is even. It is a straight-up pick em. It's not even a half-point situation. It is a straight-up pick em. I think the Broncos are going to beat the Steelers in this game. I think Drew Locke is going to beat Ben Roethlisberger in this game in Pittsburgh. Yes, I am that confident about it. I know it's in Pittsburgh. I don't care. In Pittsburgh. I think uh, the Denver Broncos are going to beat the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. I think Drew Locke's going to win the game. I, I truly believe Big Ben is that cooked. And when you have a quarterback who really can't stretch a talented defense out, they're going to just clamp tighter and tighter and tighter like a board constrictor. Von Miller's going to get closer. Um, Patrick Tane's going to jump that route a little bit faster. Um, you know, they're going to get a little bit, you know, happier when they send a blitz because they know that route ball has to come out even faster because the offensive line is also not good. They're not really stacking the box because you can't run the ball. So they're going to get tighter and tighter and tighter. I think eventually Denver's going to win that game close, low scoring, but close 27-17. And then the number I, I and then the my fifth favorite number and the number I spoiled earlier was Miami plus 10 at the Bucks take the Dolphins. Um, I just don't see the Bucks keeping, I mean, Jacoby Brissett's going to score 17. So do I see the Patriots getting, do I see the Bucks rather getting 27 or 28 rather? No. I mean, if the think about it, the Dolphins get 20 points. That means the Bucks would have to to cover, get 30. I see the Dolphins getting 17 to 20 points. I don't see the Bucks getting 30. So I would take the Miami Dolphins here. Uh, I think the Bucks, uh, the Bucks are going to win the game, 27-20. Uh, but they're not going to, you know, cover 10 points. That's a massive amount of points. Usually, points spread this big, I stay away from. Uh, but that I have two massive numbers in here, plus nine, uh, nine point difference with pats and texans and then 10 points with bucks and dolphins um i picked both uh so massive number in that bucks dolphins game but i'm gonna go with the dolphins there i just don't see the bucks going 30 and i don't see the bucks defense keeping miami under 17 so that combination just spells dolphins are gonna keep it closer than 10. but just to run back through it again patriots minus nine over the texans cardinals minus five over the 49ers Jets plus two and a half over the Falcons, Broncos and a pick'em over the Steelers, Dolphins plus ten over the Bucks. Now up next, we're going to shift to the NBA and talk about what's happening there. Alrighty, guys, and welcome back into the show. And now we're going to jump into the NBA as they are rounding the ninth pole out of a 10-pole race of the offseason. Um, like I said, the season starts back in a couple of weeks. 
Um, so when we come back in a couple of Fridays, um, you know, when we do the show two Fridays from now, we'll be talking about regular season, the opening weekend, you know, that big Thursday opening weekend, ring night for the champion. They got like, I think like the Lakers have a big matchup early and you know, there's all kind of the big TV games. Zion's on national TV early. I mean, I'm in the market, so I watch Zion every night, but Zion's on national TV early. Obviously LeBron's on TV early. All the big stars, they rule them out. Um, and get them on TV early in those first few uh, days. So we'll be talking about that. Who looks like what, where. Um, but one person who may not be there, I don't know where the opening game is, is Kyrie Irving. Um, so as we know, in New York City, San Francisco, Toronto, and now Los Angeles has a mandate where you must be fully vaccinated. You must be vaccinated in order to enter the building of a large indoor sporting arena. Cool. For a good majority of the NBA, not a problem. Um, the NBA vaccination rate, I believe, is at 90-95%. Um, the Lakers and the Clippers are both fully vaccinated in LA. The rule doesn't affect them. Um, a lot of the Nets and Knicks players are vaccinated in New York City. The rules do not affect them. Toronto actually has an exemption now where an opposing player, basically, uh, they have a sporting exemption where the opposing team can have an unvaccinated player in the building as long as he is quarantined to his room. Basically, he can't go anywhere. So if you are a vaccinated, if you're Kevin Durant, who's vaccinated, and you decide that you want to go out and get a drink, you and you and James can go, Kyrie can't go. Because Kyrie is unvaccinated. Which brings me to my main topic, why I brought the NBA up. Kyrie Irving's unvaccinated. Kyrie Irving's also stated or his people, it's been reported, so it came out somehow, that if the Nets try to trade him, he will simply retire. He will not play anywhere else besides Brooklyn, and as long as he's currently under contractual obligation to the Nets, he will simply retire if the Nets try to trade him. Okay. So we've got a player who can't play in half the home game. We've got a player who can't play in over half of our games because there's 41 games, 82 game season. 41 of those in Brooklyn, he can't play. Two of those in New York, he can't play. That's 43. One of those, at least, is in Toronto. He can play there, so that's 43. LA's twice, 45. Golden State's once, 46. So 46, at least, out of 82 games in the regular season, Kyrie Irving would not be eligible to play in. Oh, and you can't even trade him to a team like, let's say, I don't know, Charlotte, for instance, who doesn't have this mass mandate, who doesn't have this vaccination mandate in their arena. We'd only missed a few games instead of 46. Because he said he'll retire. Regardless of the team, he only wants to play in Brooklyn. He'll retire. Now, this is reflected by the fact that he convinced Kevin Durant to join Brooklyn sight unseen. Didn't talk to an owner. Didn't talk to a general manager. Didn't talk to a coach. Nothing. Him and Kyrie Irving, he followed Kyrie Irving because Kyrie said he vetted the franchise. He was good with it. So, him, Kevin followed Kyrie to Brooklyn and not the Knicks. And now, the whole reason why you have Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving decided he's not going to get vaccinated. For whatever reason, his personal choice, he's not going to get vaccinated. Which, it makes him ineligible for 46 out of 82 games this year. He can't even practice because he can't enter the building. (sighs) Brooklyn, I, I know. I know. You know. Kyrie Irving's probably not bending here. It's Kyrie. When has he ever bent on anything? Him and LeBron broke up because he basically wouldn't genuine. I mean, he didn't have to genuflect to LeBron, but he wouldn't take a back seat to LeBron. 
Kyrie Evans is his own man. He's going to do what he's going to do. He's an enlightened thinker. He is him. He's Kyrie. That's it. That's all I can say. He's Kyrie freaking Irving. He's going to be Kyrie Irving through and through regardless. Andrew Wiggins looked at the potential loss of $16 million and said, I'll get vaccinated. I don't like it. He said he doesn't like it. He said that his family is against vaccinations and he hopes that he's healthy in 10 years. And he has own reasons, etc., whatever. But he stared at $16 million losing it and said, I'll get vaccinated. Kyrie Irving has decided that, damn the torpedoes, damn the $16 million. His beliefs are worth more than that. Hey, more power to you. If they, if they, I'm not going to sit here and critique Kyrie Irving for not bending on his beliefs. You believe that? That's what you stand for. Do what you got to do, bro. No arguments for me. From a management's perspective, I have to move on from Kyrie Irving. I can't have a player, A, holding a roster spot, B, being unavailable to me for half the year via a personal choice, and C, causing now distraction because every single time we play on the, at home and lose by six. And the point guard we have on the floor, the guard we have on the floor to replace you, let's say Cam Thomas has a rough night because he played 30 minutes in a game, which only played 15 in. Joe Harris goes 0 for 7 from 3, 0 for 8 from 3, whatever. Bruce Brown goes 0 for 10 from the field, something like that, whatever, and they lose by 6. First question, what happened to you guys tonight? Second question, would it have been different if Kyrie Irving was here? That is a hard life to live, a very hard life to live if you're the Brooklyn Nets. And if I'm management, I'm not going to subject my team into, um, I'm not going to subject my team to that for one player. Love Kyrie Irving's game. Love his ability. Love his mental state. Love the fact that he is his own man and does what he wants to do. But I'm also not going to put my team in a situation where after every loss, especially at home, it's a... Well, Kyrie Irving would have been here, would have been better question. Mm-mm. I'm not doing that. I said, damn the torpedoes. If he wants to retire, go ahead. I'll call Sacramento and say, hey, we got this Kyrie Irving situation. We know he's going to retire. Here's what we'll do. We'll trade you Kyrie Irving for a couple of second round picks and a bench player. He's going to retire. And then we'll agree to split the salary with you 50-50 on our books. But I'm not playing. I'm not paying Kyrie Irving. I'm not even having him on the roster for less than half the season. He can't practice. He can't play in home games. He can't play in two other markets against three other teams. Or against he can't play in two other markets against four and against four other teams. Rather, I I'm not doing it. If I'm if I'm the Nets, I refuse to do it. Kevin Durant, bro, just be mad at me for a little while. We'll we'll figure it out. But he's got to understand where we're coming from organizationally. We can't have that happen all year long. It's putting Kevin in a bad spot. James is in a bad spot. Steve Nash is in a bad spot. Sean Marks is in a bad spot. The owner's in a bad spot. Like, everyone's in a bad spot having to answer questions about a guy's vaccination um, and being unavailable then. Michael Porter Jr. is, is in a situation. He said he's not getting vaccinated. He's had COVID twice. It sucked. But he knows that his body is going to react to it. He didn't know how anybody could react to a vaccine. Fine. He doesn't. He doesn't. He didn't even play in a market where that's a, a mandate. 
So he just won't play against LA twice or three times, four times probably. So he's out four games. He won't play against either New York team cross conference at six, and he won't play against um, Golden State eight. So he missed eight out of eighty-two games. He'll, he'll get paid for seventy-four games this year. Actually, a little bit more, seventy-five games this year. He'll sit out eight. They'll call it rest days. When the, when you know he'll be ineligible, but they'll treat it probably inside the building like scheduled rest days. They know it's coming, so plan accordingly. Basically, load management for Michael Porter Jr. He said he's not doing it. I'm fine with that, you know, but for him, I'd do it with him because he's not in a market where it affects him. I'm sure there's other unvaccinated players, and they'll be ineligible in the games where they go into those markets. The markets where they become a real problem is L.A., San Francisco, New York. That's what becomes an issue. Um, so if you don't play in one of those, if you don't play in one of those cities, do what you got to do. San Fran, you know, L.A., New York. You're one of the other 26 franchises or 25 NBA franchises, do what you got to do. It won't affect us. It'll just, you'll just have scheduled off days, basically, for those days. It's not retreating inside the building, or it should be. But Kyrie's in one of those markets where he's going to miss 46 out of 82 games because of it. I don't know how that's a smart decision. If I'm Brooklyn, I'm out of the Kyrie Irving business. Um, Just some quick hitters. Ben Simmons' camp appears to be shifting. Um, a little bit on his holdout because the fines or the ramifications well the fines really but the ramifications total of what the camp thought was going to be the problem or the ramp or the total fines was more than they expected um ben was hit with three hundred sixty-seven thousand dollar fine um first not being in the preseason game for skipping the preseason game he was hit with a massive fine and then then that's when the reports came out about it being bigger than expected, uh, which I'm having a hard time believing that in the sense of that's one of those things where if you have a good agent, he has rich freaking Paul, you have to know every cent that is going to is that is eligible to be taken from you. Um, that's one of those things where I'm having a hard time believing that rich Paul had no idea. Rich Paul is one of the smarter agents in the league. He's actually so smart. He's hated by other agents because he does stuff they don't think of doing or he convinces his clients or his clients rather give him a plan. He figures out an unorthodox way to execute it and gets it done. So I find it hard to believe Rich Paul had no idea. That felt like a leak from the Sixers side um, trying to paint Ben like a naive kid. I don't know. It just I, I didn't like the story. It didn't sit right with me. Um, but yeah, reportedly Ben Camp was unaware how much money the Sixers could take. That finds that seems odd. You know, you don't come to work, you don't get paid. I mean, I feel like that's one of those two things that that just one of those things that shouldn't have been a question. But uh, reportedly, that's what the situation was. Um, the Bulls look great. Alice Caruso, Lonzo Ball, Demar Derozan, Zach Levine were flying all over the place. They were nailing threes, getting rebounds, dunking everywhere. It was a show. Uh, and it was against Cleveland. It was the preseason, so I mean, it wasn't as impressive as it could have been, admittedly. But it was a, a highlight reel. They were dunking, flying, no look passing, trying dunks, missing, getting rebounds. Vooch was just in the middle, like a little, like like a giant guard, just getting them to them. You know, they were, they were flying all over the place. They're gonna be fun. They're gonna be a fun team to watch. Very NBA league pass candidate worthy. Uh, they're gonna be a fun team to watch. Um, like I said, flying all over the place. They've got a good platoon of guards. You've got Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Kobe White, Alex Caruso. Um, not really anything as far as wings and bigs besides Vooch. 
Um, but they're going to be exciting, especially when they get in the open floor, flying all over the place. Um, and the Lakers are already dealing with an injury. Trevor Ariza has a, he's getting a wrist cleanup. He's prepared to be out about eight weeks. I guess it's smarter to do it now instead of later. Um, but he's getting his wrist cleaned up. Going to be about out about eight weeks. They're going to cause a lot of versatility problems because they're, they're going to, they're going to at times put out lineups where no one's shorter than six, seven, and no one's taller than six, 11. It's going to be a very switch heavy kind of, you know, AD at the five kind of thing. LeBron, AD, THT, Ariza when healthy, uh, Mello, you know, it could be a lineup. And that's a 6'5 to 6'11 switch everything kind of defense. That, that, and shooting, all five can shoot. Uh, Russ or Russell Westbrook, LeBron, Mello, THT, AD. Again, another one lineups where you switch everything. Swap out Mello for Wayne Ellington. You get a little smaller, but you get more stand up shooting. Uh, Malik Monk came in striking. So it's going to be a team that's going to cause a lot of issues around the league. Um, but that is my quick hitters for the NBA. And up next, we're going to talk about the MLB and what's going down there. All righty, guys, and we are back. And now we're going to talk about Major League Baseball playoffs. They have begun. Um... Obviously, you have the Boston Red Sox versus the Tampa Bay Rays, the Chicago White Sox against the Houston Astros, the Atlanta Braves against the Milwaukee Brewers, and the San Francisco Giants and the Los Angeles Dodgers in the playoff series of the year. Um, Other playoffs be damned. No one cares um, about anybody else because that um, San Fran Dodgers series is going to be insane um it's gonna be massive everyone's excited for that series that is series we've been kind of we were hoping would happen um that is a series that going into the um wild card round you were hoping man please can we get giants and dodgers um but speaking of the wild card round the yankees played the red sox uh yankees underachieved to be here red sox overachieved to be here and the overachieving team won uh, the Yankees got smacked early. Garrett Cole didn't make it out of the third inning. Uh, many Yankees fans, myself included, um, strongly lamented that. Garrett Cole's making a guy have a nine-year, $324 million contract. He was he's, he's, he's the Yankees' ace. He was there for this moment. You're out of the wild card game in the third inning. You, you didn't give us nine outs. You mean you didn't give us nine outs. You literally get smacked in the first inning for a two-shot, and then you leave the game after you give up another homer. It's 3-0, and, I mean, it felt like the game was over. Uh, he comes out, and then the, the Red Sox never go up any runs. Stanton, I think, pops one over the fence late. Um, but that game was Red Sox in control start to finish. Uh, as a Yankee fan, it hurts to lose to them, of all people. Um, can't stand those guys. But... Uh, kudos to the Red Sox for advancing. Way to go. Uh, Dodgers, this ultimate trap game for the Dodgers. The whole world knows you win this game. You get the San Francisco series everybody wants. Uh, but they came out. They handled business. They're, deal- they're still dealing with injuries. Uh, Kershaw's got some elbow situation. Apparently, Tommy John is not on a table for him. Um, but, you know, the Dodgers played the Cardinals, which is a team one of those. I spoke about the Cardinals all year. I said, man, it's one of those teams where regardless of what's happening to them, it always feels like they are in the mix. 
regardless of what happens they are always in the mix um and you look up and they played a, a good game against the dodgers ultimately dodgers is way too talented spoke about it for the season my candidate for 120 wins they came short of that obviously but they were a massive favorite in that game and they came out one three to one and, and like i said and it sets up some great great um division around series you have Boston versus Tampa. Now, Tampa's already up 1-0. I don't think that series is going to be great. Tampa's probably going to sweep them 3-0. Tampa's just much better than Boston. Boston overachieved. Boston can go into the offseason saying, we sold our best player last year. We were supposed to miss the playoffs this year in kind of a retooling year. And not only did we make the playoffs, we beat the Yankees to put them out of the playoffs. And they're supposed to have this massively talented roster, Gary Cole, Stanton, Aaron Judge, and the rest of the crew. And we put them out. The Red Sox are going to go into the offseason smiling. They did well. Um, and then Houston versus Chicago. Houston's already at 1-0 in that series. I think it's going to be a sweep as well. Houston's just a better team than Chicago. Um, Chicago's a solid team, but they don't have Houston's roster. That Houston team's figured it out. Uh, thought they were going to be dead in the water after losing a couple players in the offseason and the whole cheating scandal. They had a packed crowd last night in the middle of the day. Uh, that Houston crowd loves them some baseball. Uh, it's one of the best places to go. Uh, that's a great stadium. I, you know, I've been around the Rocky Stadium. I've been to a few Astros games in my life. Um, that Houston Stadium is great. It's beautiful, especially after they redid the inside and took the hump out, uh, modernized it a little bit. It looks great. Uh, so it's an old train station. It's it's amazing that Houston Stadium. Uh, so kudos to them uh, for get, taking a one lead. I think that's a sweep as well. Milwaukee and Atlanta. Interesting game. Atlanta is another one of those teams. Atlanta sold their two best players to the Dodgers. Atlanta traded Scherzer and, oh, I can't think of the player they traded right now. Mid-season trade deadline to the Dodgers. Still won their division. But now they're playing a Milwaukee Brewers team that was at the top of the conference all year. Had control of their division all year. Uh, never really ran into too many issues. Um... And so, with that being said, I have the Milwaukee Brewers in this series, probably 3-1. And then the game, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm saying three. I'm, I got WNBA playoffs on my head. Um, Tampa sweep 4-0. Uh, Houston sweep 4-0. Milwaukee wins 4-2. And then San Fran and the Dodgers, the series everybody wants to see. The series that they've been building up all year long to this clash it's the series everybody wanted i wish it come later i wish it was you know for the for the conference uh for the right to go for the league rather with the right to go to the uh world series but this is going to be an insane series it's one of those series that's going to be so great i don't even know who's going to win the thing i'm going to go with san fran for health reasons i think they're going to win four to three game seven is going to be in san francisco um that's where i'm going to go san fran there but I'm not even sure. A uh, hell of a series. I cannot wait to keep my eye on it. Um, like I said, it's been building up all year. They've been battling the division back and forth. Both have crossed 100 wins. Both, if the Dodgers were in any other division in the league, in the in the, in the baseball, Major League Baseball, besides the AL East, they're division winners. The only reason they're not is because they played with the Giants. It's going to be absolutely wild. I cannot wait for this. Um... Like I said, I wish it was one round later, but hey, it is what it is. We're gonna have. I'm glad to take it now. Um, someone's gonna have to go home after an amazing season. Uh, like I said, I'm gonna go with San Fran, do the home field uh, to win four or three in the game seven. Uh, but this is going to be absolutely wild. I uh, cannot wait for it. 
But up next, we're going to have our best for last, which is going to be a talk about the WNBA playoffs. What a wild playoffs it has been so far. Welcome back into the show. And now we're going to do our best for last, which is going to be a talk about the WNBA playoffs, the action-packed WNBA playoffs, the wild WNBA playoffs. Uh, first off, congratulations is in order. Congratulations to Candace Parker, Kalea Cooper, Courtney Vandersloot, uh, Ali Quigley, uh, Diamond DeShields, Stephanie Dolson, and the rest of the Chicago Sky, uh, led by head coach James Wade. For getting into the WNBA Finals for the second time in franchise history, uh, Candace Parker is currently delivering on her promise. When she came back home to Chicago, when she went home to Chicago, rather, her thing was that she wanted to go there and not just retire in Chicago. She wanted to win. Um, she didn't want to live out her twilight year, years, however long she had left of the game in Chicago. She went there to win. And so now she is three wins away from delivering uh, the city of Chicago, their first basketball championship since uh, Michael Jordan retired in 1998. Uh, she is three wins away from getting her second championship all time of her second championship total, which in my opinion puts her firmly in the top five all time, especially with the finals MVP. Uh, she didn't win finals MVP, her first title, Neka Gumake did, I believe. Um, but she would be able to get her second WNBA title with a second franchise. Her hometown franchise would be huge first year there. So big congratulations to the Chicago Sky. Congratulations to the Connecticut Sun, uh, who fell to the Sky 3-1. But they had the MVP, John Quill Jones, who had a hell of a season. Um, she's a historic all-time great as well. Um, only player in WNBA history to win the most improved, the sixth woman of the year, and the MVP. So big ups to uh, John Quill Jones and the rest of the Connecticut Sun, Dewana Bonner. Um, the rest of the crew, Brian January, the rest of the crew. Uh, they had a hell of a season. They'll be very formidable uh, next season. But I, I was about to say, moving on to the West, uh, moving on to the other semifinal, which happens to be Western teams. There will be a game five. It goes down tonight, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central, between the Phoenix Mercury, led by obviously Brittany Griner, Skylar Diggins, and Diana Taurasi, uh, up against the Las Vegas Aces. Led by Asia Wilson, uh, Liz Cambage, Chelsea Gray, um, Kia, not Kia Nurse, uh, Kelsey Plum. So big stars all over the court. It will be game five. It goes down in Vegas. Um, huge, huge, huge game five. Uh, so excited for that. It's going to be one of those games where Phoenix kind of packed it in early. Uh, they got handled pretty well in game four. So Phoenix packed it in early, getting ready for this game five in Vegas. Um, obviously, they both split on each other's home floors. How we got to this point, and so home court advantage lies in Vegas's hands. Uh, advantage of being the two seed that's supposed to be in the five seed in the situation, you get home court advantage for all important game five. Uh, Kia Nurse unfortunately tore her ACL in the last game. I've seen it when it happens. It looked like Derrick Rose knee, non-contact, jumping after planting two feet. That looks like an ACL almost every time, and that's unfortunately where hers was. So she's out, obviously, for the rest of the season with the torn ACL. Um, I'm not sure if she goes overseas, but she'll probably be out of the overseas season as well. And uh, we'll see her back on the court for the WNBA season, hopefully, uh, start of 2022 WNBA season. But, um, yeah, absolutely a crazy game. Picking a winner here, I'm going to go with the home team. I'm going to go with Vegas. 
Um, I just think that Phoenix is the more talented team, in my opinion. Um, they have the best player on the floor, Diana Taurasi. Brittany Griner is the best big on the floor. Skylar Diggins is playing out of her mind right now. But I just think that Vegas is a little too deep um, for Phoenix. You know, like I said, you can when you can roll a player off the bench like uh, Kelsey Plum, it's really hard uh, to beat a team like that. So that I'm, I'm gonna go with Vegas, close Vegas, do the home court. I'm gonna go with Vegas in this game, which will set up Chicago and uh, Vegas in the WNBA Finals. And I, and I think I think Candace Park is gonna do it. I think she's gonna deliver Chicago a title in her first year there. Uh, much to the chagrin of Sparks fans, um, when they chose basically chose Derek Fisher over her, um, she's gonna deliver Chicago's first WNBA title this season. So I'm gonna go with Chicago beating Vegas in a hard fought five game series for the WNBA title, which we'll definitely talk about it next week. Uh, if it goes five, it'll, uh, it'll be smack dab in the middle of the series when we're you know the show happens next Friday. So I'm gonna go with Chicago in five over Vegas for the WNBA title. But that is all we have for this week. I'm glad you guys stuck around. I'm glad you guys enjoyed. Uh, I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Remember, MLB playoffs, NBA is around around the corner. Packed week in college football as well. You've got Iowa, Penn State. Um, You have some other major matchups. you got LSU, Kentucky. Um, So some huge matchups around the country. The, The Red River Showdown, how could I forget that? Texas, Oklahoma to kick off your festivities, basically. Um, So... Hugely college football. The NFL's got some great games. Obviously, MLB playoffs. So, great cornucopia of sports right now. And uh, remember to like, rate, and subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. And don't forget to follow at Daytime Sports on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok. So, definitely give that a look as well. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. This is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.